Hey, I've got some exciting news for you. For nearly a decade, the Social Media Marketing Society has been helping marketers like you to keep up with the changing times. This is our private community just for marketers, and the doors are open right now. When you join, you get access to ongoing training and become part of a welcoming community of marketers who are just like you. Learn more at smmarketingsociety.com. Again, smmarketingsociety.com. Welcome to the Social Media Marketing Podcast, helping you navigate the social media jungle. And now, here is your host, Michael Stelzner. Hello, hello, hello. Thank you so much for joining me for the Social Media Marketing Podcast, brought to you by Social Media Examiner. I'm your host, Michael Stelzner, and this is the podcast for marketers and business owners who want to know what works with social media. Today, I'm going to be joined by Ann Hanley, and we're going to talk about how to create great written content. Now, I know you might be thinking, well, wait a second, I don't do any writing. Well, the truth is you do a lot of writing. If you do any marketing at all, at the core of everything is writing. And we're going to talk about how to do it well today. We're not going to talk about like how to write persuasive things. We're going to talk about how to write good things and the fundamentals of great writing and where it all comes from. I think you're absolutely going to find this fascinating. By the way, I'm at Stelzner on Instagram and at Mike underscore Stelzner on Twitter. And if you're new to this podcast, be sure to follow this show so you don't miss any of our future content. I was recently at Social Media Marketing World and I had a chance to connect with some of our best customers. A lot of them listen to our podcast, just like you do. Not everyone knows what I'm about to share with you. We do something special here at Social Media Examiner. The best of the best of the guests that you hear on the Social Media Marketing Podcast not only teach at our conference, but they're also part of our secret society called the Social Media Marketing Society. Each month, our top-tier guests who have been on my show are invited to train inside our society for an exclusive group of marketers who are just like you. The training is designed to help you go from being a passive consumer of content to a marketer who is in active learning mode. So if you're ready to make real progress with your marketing, you're a perfect fit for the Social Media Marketing Society. Join us by visiting smmarketingsociety.com. We've got a really big sale that is ending very soon, so don't delay. Again, visit smmarketingsociety.com and join today. Let's transition over this week's interview with Ann Hanley. Helping you to simplify your social safari. Here is this week's expert guide. Today, I'm very excited to be joined by Ann Hanley. If you don't know who Ann is, she's the Chief Content Officer at Marketing Profs, which helps B2B marketers of all sizes accomplish their marketing goals. Her newest book is called Everybody Writes, Your New and Improved Go-To Guide to Creating Ridiculously Good Content. Ann, welcome back to the show. How are you doing today? I am so great, and I can't believe it's been so long since I've been here, but I'm excited to be back. I know. It's crazy because you've been to Social Media Marketing World. We've done, you know, clubhouse rooms together during COVID and all this kind of stuff, but it's been eight years since you've been on this podcast. What? Which no. is, yeah, and this show's 10 years old, so it's kind of crazy. So, but today we're, we're going to explore, we're going to get to your backstory a little bit of what's happened over the last eight years, but first let me tell everybody we're going to explore how to create great written content that helps businesses. But before we go there, Anne, 
what the heck's gone down with you in the last eight years? I would imagine not very much, right? But like, just catch it, catch us up and what's going on in the world of Anne Hanley in the last eight years. Oh my goodness. What's been going on in eight years? Well, eight years ago, I published the first edition of Everybody Writes. I have a visual right here, Mike, just for you. Perfect. And then a couple of weeks ago, I published the second edition, there we go, of Everybody Writes. Their way. Yeah. And for folks that are listening to the podcast, they look very similar, except uh, one is slightly fatter than the other one, I think, isn't it? This guy is fatter for sure. And also you notice like the face on the front. There you go. It's a whole lot more engaging. <laughs> so yeah, so that happened. But you know, a lot of other stuff happened in between. Let's start with the first book. How did it do? Talk to me a little bit about that. Yeah. I mean, it did fantastic. You know, it's funny because eight years ago, I I really wasn't sure that a book on writing was going to resonate with a modern marketing audience. I mean, you know, you write a book and you think, like you put your heart and soul into it and you think, all right, well, we'll see how this does. But I think, you know, when I published Content Rules, it felt like, and that was from 2010, I believe, you know, the time for that felt right because content marketing was exploding. Joe Polizzi was just about to launch the Content Marketing Institute's Content Marketing World. So there was a lot of momentum around content. I didn't feel the same way about writing when I published Everybody Writes in 2014. You know, it's like I didn't feel the same momentum, in other words. But I also felt in my heart that this was a subject that marketers needed to know about and that they really needed a, a go-to guide to create ridiculously good written content. So I went into it thinking, you know, I believe in this and I believe it's necessary, it's needed, it's important, but is the market going to agree with me? I wasn't sure, uh, but they did. They did agree with me. The book has sold, the first edition of this book, this one here, the OG version, has sold like 100,000 copies. Wow. It became a Wall Street Journal bestseller. It's got like 945 five-star reviews on Amazon. I mean, it did super well. And that was very gratifying to me personally, but also it just made me realize that writing is so foundational to everything that we do in marketing. It is so central to what we do, yet we don't often think about it in those terms, right? We don't really, really embrace, I think, the opportunity that we have to write in a way that is truly different and engaging and reflects our own perspective and our own voice. Okay. So somewhere along the line in the last eight years, your publisher came back to you and said, Hey, what do you think about dusting off that book and writing a new copy? Like, tell us a little bit about that journey. Yeah, it was actually the opposite. I went to the publisher and I said, you know, I'm thinking about republishing this book. And she said, well, why? Uh, it's because, doing well. Yeah. You know, for all the reasons I just talked about. Yeah. She's like, it's still selling well. Like it's used in a lot of university classrooms. It still sells super well. She said, it's really written in an evergreen way. And I thought, you know, but there's a few things that I wanted to change in here. There were some outdated examples. There was some data that just like, I felt like it, it could be stronger. But also like my thinking had evolved, right? So in the first edition, I barely talked about storytelling. But, you know, a couple of years ago, uh, 2020, I think I spoke on the social media marketing world stage about storytelling and how important it is. And so a lot of my thinking had evolved since then. I also barely talked about email in the first edition. So my thinking has evolved around that too. So there's a lot of new things that I thought I wanted to put into it. But most importantly, like when I went back and started to read it, really trying to understand what has shifted, what has changed, I realized that a very basic 
fundamental thing had also changed, which is my writing voice. So in other words, I thought as I read the first edition, you know, I wouldn't say that quite the same way anymore. And I sound a little, I don't know, a little more serious and and kind of buttoned up than I think my voice sounds now. So I thought, you know what, we're not going to just do a quick update on this. We're going to bring the whole thing down to the studs. We're, we're going to rebuild it from the ground up. We're going to add on an addition in the back to cover all that stuff that, you know, I wanted to add to the book. So that's what I did. I thought it was going to be a really easy renovation. It turned out to be like a massive renovation and essentially what I was left with. And I think what I've delivered to marketers is a entirely brand new book. Well, uh, one writer to another, I can't even imagine how much time this took you. Was this during COVID that you started working on this? Yeah. I mean, like any good writer, I'm in really an excellent procrastinator, right? So I signed the contract a year ago and then I thought, oh, that's easy. I got a whole year to take care of this. It's fine. So I just like sat back, sat on my couch, watched a bunch of Netflix, and then eventually realized I got to I gotta get off my duff and make this happen. So yeah, I think it was about six months of procrastinating and six months of like, holy wow, I got to make this happen. Like work, just like sweating, you know, just trying to get it done, just typing away every single day and feeling very anxious about it. But yeah, got it done. It was about the year, but really like six months of like solid concentrated effort to try to redo the entire book. Well, for folks who are not watching the video, there's two typewriters behind Anne. And if you don't know Anne, even though she's been known as working at Marketing Profs kind of forever, you've also been a blogger, an excellent writer. I've always told you you're an amazing writer. And it's it's just so great to see how many copies of that book you sold. And I can't wait to see what the next book is going to be able to do. So there's a lot of marketers right now that are listening and they're saying, Mike, it's 2023 now. And everything seems to be about the spoken word. Everything seems to be about short form video, long form video, social audio. What about, right? why is writing so important right now? What do you want to say to those that are listening that are like, eh, I don't think this is so important? Yeah, yeah. Well, first of all, I would say to marketers who adopt that mindset, you know, it's it's we don't live in a binary world, right? It's not an either or. You're not either a writer or a videographer. I mean, in marketing in 2023, you are all of those things. So yes, you may be producing video, you may be creating a podcast like this one, you may be doing short form in terms of maybe a TikTok or Instagram, but you know, so often the foundation of all of those things that we're creating in marketing is writing. Like at some point you start the process by mapping out your ideas by writing a script. And so one of the things, or writing a landing page for a podcast, I mean, writing is truly foundational to so much of the kind of communication that we do in marketing. And it is also so fundamental to what we do as marketers. So as much as I want to speak to brands and remind them of the importance of writing for their marketing programs. I also really believe that we as marketers, as individuals, need to be stronger creators. We need to own our own voices and we need to be, you know, writing emails and writing memos and internal drafts, like whatever that is. Like we need to be owning our own ability to to communicate in a way effectively because, you know, ultimately we are all communicators and it is our job 
to build those relationships either internally or externally. And so, yes, there's an absolute, there's a brand application, but I also think that as, as marketers, uh, that we are all writers as well. Yeah, I love that. And that's why actually in the second edition of the book, I mean, that's why I talked about like in the first edition I have at the, at close to the end of the book, I have 13 things marketers write, which are things that we tend to do most often in our roles and in, is our, in our work in marketing. So in the first edition, it included things like writing, writing a homepage and writing a landing page and writing an email, all that kind of stuff. But in the second edition, I greatly expanded that. And I talked a whole lot more about all of the things that have only exploded over the past eight years since the first edition, which include things like writing captions for social media, for visuals, for example, like Instagram or Pinterest or, you know, almost anything else or writing video scripts, ghostwriting, you know, all writing infographics, like all kinds of things that we are now writing. And maybe we don't think of them as writing, but they are. Well, and I might even go so far to say that all forms of communication start with the written word. Even this interview, we have worked to write a series of questions and agree in advance, right? And that took some work. Like you mentioned with videos, even TikTok videos, if you're not writing out what you're going to do, then those TikTok videos are probably going to work anyways, right? So the fundamentals of communication are really at the core of what we're talking about here. And it all starts with writing. So I would love for you to introduce your strategy for writing great marketing content. Let's start there and then maybe we can dig into some of the aspects of it. Sure, I'd be happy to. There's there's a lot that's new in the second edition of the book, but one of the things that I really honed in on was the process of writing. And what I did was documented, you know, my own process, but also offered readers a way to think through any piece of content that you might be creating, any written piece of content, right from, you know, when it's first a twinkle in your eye before it's been born all the way to like post-publishing. And so I identified what I call the writing GPS framework. Now, I mentioned it in the first edition of the book, and it was much shorter. It sort of gave you some, some guidelines, but you know, our, our GPS navigation has improved over the past eight years, metaphorically speaking. And so in the new version of the writing GPS, I really dug into some of those steps along the way to offer marketers, businesses, creators of, of almost any kind, a pathway to get from when something is, is first in your mind, you have a, a vague notion of what you want to create and a, a vague notion of what you want to say all the way through, through a series of steps to that, that final destination that you want to get to. Well, and I love the fact that, and we're going to break it down here in a few minutes here, but I love the concept of calling it GPS, right? Because everybody understands, well, a lot of people might not know what that stands for, but global positioning system, I think, or something is what it really stood for, the original one, right? Yeah. And it's how to get from here to there, right? And all the steps along the way. And we're now used to this with our cars and our phones that navigate us there, right? Like we almost can't live without it, right? So how cool would it be if we had a roadmap, for lack of better words, to write great content? Because most of us don't have the experience that Ann Hanley has and Anne I love the fact that if you follow the GPS, it's going to get you to the destination because that's essentially the promise we're talking about, right? Like what you're laying out with this model is it's, it's a simple yet not intuitive to everyone 
but once they understand it, it makes sense, right? Process it. If you follow these steps, you will increase the likelihood that your content will accomplish the objective, right? Right, exactly. And, and you know, and part of the reason why I, I wanted to offer a GPS, why I wanted to even think about writing in this way is because, you know, so often I speak to marketers and not just marketers, but people, you know, who will say to me, Mike, like, you know, oh, my God, I hate writing. It's like so hard. And I just don't know, like, I don't know how to write. And usually what people mean when they say that, that they hate writing or that they don't think of themselves as a writer, they usually mean one of two things. Number one, they usually mean that they are very bad at grammar and they feel insecure about their grammar. And sometimes it's because the grandma and their grammar. (laughs) <laughs> their grandma. They feel bad about their grandma. You heard my Boston accent there for half a second. Did you hear that, grandma? Yeah. I corrected it immediately. Like, no, go away. Go away, Boston accent. I beat that out of myself years ago. Yeah, but they, they feel bad about their grammar. You were saying to keep going. Yeah, thanks for bringing me back. <laughs> yeah, they feel bad about their grammar. They've usually suffered some childhood trauma, like some teacher or some adult in their life told them that they're a bad writer or that they were terrible with grammar. And so they've kind of internalized that to the point where it just really has atrophied any ability that they have to write. So that's the first thing that people usually mean when they say that they're a bad writer or that they don't identify as a writer. By the way, just quick confession. I was told that I was a horrible writer when I was in elementary school. See? And people may not know this, but I've written two books and written thousands of blog posts and stuff. So, you know, I mean, that was trauma back then. So, yeah. I mean, if anybody else can relate, hey, you know what? Yeah, your story is is not unique, sadly. It's like I think that so many of us carry that that kind of burden from from childhood. So, yeah, and like look at Mike Stelzner, two best-selling books, millions of blog posts, incredible company. Anyway, so that's usually what they mean. The second thing is though is that They don't know where to start, you know, or it's just like it's such a horrible mess and they feel like that what they're producing is like it it should be better than it is and they get frustrated. And so they give up. And really what I wanted to do was say to people like, calm down, like you're expecting too much of yourself. There is a process if you follow, just like, you know, there's a process you follow when you when you do almost anything. Right. So it was a way to get people out of that funk, to make them feel like, not only is it doable, but there is a way to get to something that they can be inherently proud of. And that's really my goal is to, is to get marketers and businesses to feel like, you know what, God, this is like really great stuff. I'm very proud of myself. Okay. We're dialed in. We're ready. We're saying, okay, I really want to learn about this GPS model. So let's start with the G. What do we need to know to get started with this model? So I broke the framework down into three sections, which we're going to talk about. So the G and the GPS, which is, as Mike said, a GPS in, in if you were to, you know, pop some mapping directions into your phone, it stands for global positioning system. But in my framework, the G stands for go. And what is go? There's a few steps that are part of that, the first section of the framework. And essentially, it's all the prep and the research that you need to do to feel ready to write. There are four steps in Go, and you might be thinking four steps before I even get to the point where I sit down to write, like I'm already exhausted. But the four steps are sort of necessary planning mindsets that we need to check off before we can sit down to write. And that sounds maybe crazy. It's like, well, yeah, but I just want to write. Doesn't that mean I just like sit down to write and I fire up a Word doc or I fire up a Google doc and I'm ready to go, right? And it's like, no. 
if you take the time at the beginning, if you take the time at that G, at go in, in the framework, I think ultimately the rest of the process goes a lot faster. So the G has four steps in it. Number one, identify a goal. Like, what do you hope to accomplish with this piece of content that you're creating? And again, whether it's a video or a landing page or a blog post, like, what is your goal? You should have just one goal. And what I do is write it right at the top of the page. Here's what I want to do with this. The second thing is to reframe that goal and to in and to bring your audience into it and i do that by asking a question of so what like why is an audience going to care about this so essentially what you're doing is taking your goal and reframing it for why should someone care a reader a viewer someone that you hope to attract to your business the third step is to add data and uh, sometimes that means actual data like actual numbers and sometimes it means looking for quotes from experts some kind of external validation for what you're producing like what is a what's a quote What's some bit of research? What's a bit of data that you can put into something that will shore up your points? And then the fourth step in the go is to organize it. Figure out what, what shape is this going to take? Is this going to be a list? Is this going to be like the top five ways to do something? Or is this going to be an interview? Like, And I offer a number of ways that, that you can organize a piece. I think there's like 15 suggestions in the book. But I think if you go into it, like if you do that planning ahead of time, then when you sit down to write, which is the next section we're going to talk about, you'll be you'll just feel so much more capable and you'll you'll be in, in a stronger headspace. First of all, I really love this. There's so much opportunity here to just like explore a little bit of this. Like um, as you know, you and I have both written for a very long time and it's it's very rare that you can just give someone like a sentence and expect them to go write something, right? Like other than an AI system, which is going to produce a bunch of garbage, right? So the idea of like, all right, what do I want to accomplish? And, you know, probably also includes who do I want to reach in there a little bit, right? Like, like if I want to persuade my target audience to take desired action, right? We have to like have that in mind so that before we start writing, we can filter it and say, okay, like, you know, and that's where the, so what comes in, right? Like, so talk about the, so what a little bit, because I think that might be worth just talking about a little bit. Yeah. So what is really when you reframe whatever you're creating and to understand like, why should my audience care about this? And like, this is what I see all the time. And it's, it's a typical mistake. I think that a lot of brands make you see it on corporate blogs, for example. You know, they write about their product or their solution or, or some development. But the most important thing is not your product or new service or development, but instead, why does that matter to your customers? And so the so what step in the, the go framework is to reframe that thing to try to understand why does it matter to someone in your audience? How does it improve their lives? You know, why does it matter to them? And so it sounds like such a simple thing and so elemental, but I think it's a step that we tend to forget in marketing or we don't push it far enough. So I dig into this quite a bit in the book because I think it's so critical to, especially in marketing. And I think you need to ask a series of, of so what questions at least four times. So you like, so maybe you have a goal to, I don't know, sell more licenses to a piece of software, right? And so if you ask, so what? Well, why does it matter? So you might answer like a kind of a surface level. Why? Because it'll make the lives of our customers easier. Well, but so what? Like, why does that matter, <laughs> right? Why do they need to save time? Or why do they need to save money? Like, what does easy actually mean? And so 
in my experience, you need to ask at least four so what's to really get to the core of what your offering is. And I think it can be transformative. If you take yourself through this exercise before you write anything, you really will get into the mindset of your customer so much more easily. And why does that matter? Why is it important? It's because, you know, we want to, like in marketing, in business, writing is important and skills are important and it's good to feel proud of what we do. But ultimately, we want to drive business, right? We want to use our words to engage an audience that will take an action. And so what the so what and because, you know, query string offers you is, is just a way to do that, a path forward. Well, and so many people listening right now work in a company where they have to report to someone else or they've been commissioned to do something, right? Like they've been asked to write this copy. And this is where it's really important that people understand that good writing is never about the company. It's always about the prospect, right? It's always about the client. And internally, you know, we have a full-time writer on staff and we've got all these different departments and I keep coming back to them and say, this is not going to work because this is all about us, right? If it's all about us and all the great things we have and the features and benefits, you know, and it's not about what the value is for the customer and truly understanding who they know who that customer is. They know what they value, but putting themselves in the headspace to actually flip the script and act like they're the customer reading this. That's the part that will help people, I think, get to the so what. Yeah. And I think doing it right at the beginning, you know, before you've set a single pixel to a page, like do it right at the outset. Think about why does this matter? And, you know, that automatically is going to shift the way that you create a piece of content. Yeah. And maybe get that blessing from the boss before you start writing it after you get this stuff figured out, right? Hey, I want to go down this road. Are you cool with this? Because the worst is having written a whole thing and then having it be rejected, right? Because it doesn't focus on the company enough. <laughs> yeah. So let's talk about the second stage of the process. We've talked about the G, which is go. And we've talked about how you should identify your goal and reframe the goal and add data and organize what you're going to do with it. Now we're ready to like actually G-O, go, right? So what's the, <laughs> what's the next step? So the G for go is really, as I mentioned, it's the prep and the research groundwork, right? Before you write a, a single sentence, before you put a single letter on the page, the P stands for push. And there are, let me think, five five steps in that. Yeah, we don't have to go through them all. We can just focus on a couple of them if you want to. Cool, yeah, that'd be great. So push is the writing and the rewriting. And I think the rewriting is just as important as the writing. The first step in that is writing a first draft. Like just, I call it um, barfing up the ugly first draft, right? Just get it on the page. Just like vomit it all over your pages. Like don't worry about grammar. Don't worry about full sentences. Like a lot of people will just make a list, like a, a, a series of bullets. Like that's totally fine. Like that's a perfect first draft. The point is take the pressure off yourself. Because again, when I mentioned when people identify as not being a great writer, what they mean is like it, they expect too much of themselves at the outset. So in go, you've done the prep, the research and push is where you, is where you apply it. You just sit down and you just start to write. You know, one of the things that's worked for me, and I'm curious what your thoughts are on this is maybe it's because I'm a podcaster or maybe it's because I'm very comfortable speaking. I will just hit record and I will free flow and then I will have it transcribed because you, when you're talking, you do not self edit yourself hardly ever. Right. What's your thoughts on something like that? 
Yeah, I think that's a that's a fantastic way to do a first draft. I talk about it in the book, actually, because there are so many people like you who are much more comfortable just speaking their thoughts. Like, that's not me because that's not the way that my brain works. But there are a whole lot of people out there that that works for them. But it, it needs lots of editing still, right? But it's at least oh, the, yeah. it's getting yeah. the first draft out of your head, right? Yeah, it's a great way to get a first draft out, right? Just vomit it up and have it transcribed. There's a number of transcription tools that I also talk about in the book that you can do that are either free or pretty close to it that are very, very inexpensive. Um, so yeah, it's a great way to start a first draft. Like the thing about writing is there's no one way to write. And so you're, what works for you as a first draft is if that works for you, like that's fantastic. Like I'm not here to say you need to do it certain ways because that's not who I am. And also that's not the way that writing works. I was just going to say, I talked to another marketer who writes all of his first drafts in an email. And why does he do that? It's because he feels like it's easier for him because very often we do not get writer's block or we don't feel like, you know, atrophied when we sit down to write an email. And so he pretends that he's writing an email to a friend or a colleague and just sits down and writes a first draft that way. So there are a number of ways that I think you can trick yourself into creating that first draft. Like I said, like bullets or lists, My, mine looks basically like a shopping list. So there's a number of ways that you can do it. And you know what, they're all legitimate. And if it works for you, it works. When we were prepping for this, we, we talked about how to rewrite to one person. You want to talk a little bit about that and then also talk about how to add voice because you mentioned that earlier in the, in the interview about how you discovered your voice. So let's talk about both those. Yeah. So you get that first draft on the paper. The most important thing, though, it's actually a step in the process is to walk away, which is, is that actually a step? Does that? Like, is that something you should do? And yes, it is a step and it's very, very important because you can't just vomit that first draft out, whether you do it mic style, you know, in an audio way or whether you make a list like I do and then sit right down to it. I think it's really important to give yourself some space in between the first draft and when you return to it. And so, yes, when I... I write a first draft, walk away, give it some space, as much time as you can, at least like take a walk around the block. I try to give it overnight because to me, that's just magical. When I come back to it, I'm like, oh, okay, I know exactly what I should be doing. So I would just encourage anybody to just give yourself as much time in between as you can. And then when I sit down to rework it, I do think about one person, and that's what Mike suggested about rewriting to one person. I think about one person who I want to write this piece of content to. In marketing, we talk about personas, you know, coming up with this sort of fictionalized symbol of your audience. That doesn't work for me because it's not real. It's not real enough. You know, to me, it needs to be an actual person. It needs to be somebody I had a conversation with. Maybe my neighbor who works for a pharma company, and my neighbor actually does work in marketing for a pharma company. So sometimes I, I think about him. I think about somebody that I met at you know, social media marketing world last year. I mean, it could be anybody, but I think about that one person who I'm trying to help or affect or change the behavior of, and I rewrite it with that person in mind. Now, that doesn't mean that I use their name or that I, I'm so specific that I'm, you know, pulling their specific details into it, but it just helps me enormously to think about one person who I'm trying to affect. Why does it matter? It's because it makes my voice automatically more casual and loose and friendly because I know the person on the other end, as opposed to like when you write to an audience, that's just, it's too big. It's too, it's a faceless audience. Like you're not writing to a room full of people who are going to open this on their phones or 
or pull up to your website all at the same time and read it together, right? Like, no, of course not. That's ridiculous. And so the idea is that you're writing to one person at one time. The more specific you make your voice, the more specific you are in communicating to one person. Ironically, the more universally appealing it'll be because you are you are speaking in a way that really feels inherently personal. I do this all the time in my email newsletter that goes out every other Sunday. And I, and so often, Mike, like I can't even tell you like how many people say to me, I feel like you were writing just to me. There are 50,000 people on my list, but people say to me, I feel like you, you were speaking just to me. I mean, I wasn't, but I was, you know what I mean? So let's talk about that a little bit, the voice side of it. Like, for people that have never done this before, they may not understand. Maybe you could give some examples of how maybe you might've crafted it and then how you would recraft it with giving it a little bit more of your voice. Does that make sense? Yeah. So I think the more you write, the more you will understand and, and embrace and, and can, can try to really evolve your own writing voice. Voice, let me just like step back for a second. Like, what do we mean when we talk about voice? Voice is the way that something sounds in the head of a reader when they read something that you've written. And it's no more complicated than that. Sometimes I hate that word voice because it sounds so, it sounds so literary. You know, it sounds so kind of high-minded. It sounds very audible. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's just, I don't know. I just, I don't love it. But isn't it almost like writing like you talk almost, right? Isn't that really what you mean by this or no? Not really, because I think that, you know, you said it when you were talking about your first draft, like when you, if you write the way you talk, I think that can be a great first draft, but I think that a writing voice and a speaking voice are two different things. I think it can feel personal when you're writing, like when you, when you can think about like, how do you communicate? And I think there are elements that you want to pull into your writing, but I don't think it's like a straight, it shouldn't feel like a straight up transcript. You know what I mean? Yeah. So t give us an example of Anne Hanley writing voice. And then, oh my goodness. you know, I mean, because yeah. I think people need to wrap their head around this. Like, are we talking about using short sentences? Are we talking about using the word you a lot? Are we talking about using M dashes and italicies and just stuff to kind of like bring emphasis? Is that what we're talking about? A writing voice that works for me or that is my voice is going to be specific to me. And so I think what I talk about in the book is develop your own voice in a way that feels unique and specific to you. I think there's a number of ways that you can get there. You can get there by emulating what some of your favorite writers do. Like, here's the thing that that really changed my writing voice and really affected the way that I write and why my voice has changed so much over the past few years is because of my email newsletter, right? So writing that every other week has really helped me evolve my own writing voice to truly understand that I tend to write in short declarative sentences, that I tend to throw in sort of funny, weird words like nincompoop and discombobulated. That is a kind of word that I might throw in to a newsletter that I tend to have these sort of whispered asides to my audience, you know, so that they're very parenthetical in, in when I'm communicating. So yeah, all of that is me. And when I read anything that I've written out loud, like I want it to sound like me, like I want it to sound different. I think the way to get there is to think about like, who are some of your favorite authors? Like who is somebody when you either read or listen to a book that you think, oh, like that, actually, I love this voice so much. And it really resonates with me. 
and challenge yourself to understand why. Like, what, what is it about this writing that really appeals to me? Is it the words that they use? Is it the way they describe something? Is it the metaphors that they use? Like, there's any number of ways that you can truly understand somebody's voice by just focusing on how they use language. And so that's what I've done over the past you know, few years, especially in my email newsletter. I've thought about writers who really resonate with me. Like one of my favorite writers is David Sedaris. He's an essayist, he's a humorist, but he's also very soulful. And I dug into his work and read it very carefully over a series of a, of a year or two and really saw how his voice evolved. And so when you do that, like when you really look at voice and think about the opportunity, I think to evolve our, or, or who you like, and then think about how, why do I like this? And, and is there an opportunity, I think for me to sort of mimic it a little bit in a way, practice it out loud, make it your own. You know, it almost sounds like voice is like personality is probably the best way to describe this. Yeah. You know, everybody knows people that have really fun personalities, right? In real life, right? Like maybe you've got the person who's very optimistic and you've got, or you've got the person who's very funny and the way they say things is everybody just really zones in when they speak. It's same thing with writing, right? Like in my writing, I like to use very short sentences. I like to use single paragraph sentences. I love to use M dashes to kind of emphasize pauses because I use pauses naturally in my spoken voice. Mm -hmm. So these are the kind of things that I have developed in my voice. And I think that's the key because you mentioned earlier, you can write the exact same thing, literal, and it can be as boring as heck. And what I love about adding voice to writing is that's going to make you stand out, mm -hmm. right? Because most all the other writers out there don't add voice. Right. And it's the way that you can stand out because it could only come from you. Like if I were to read something that, that Mike wrote, as opposed to, you know, another marketer that I respect, it would not feel the same because Mike is a seasoned writer. He sounds like Mike when I read him. And even if it didn't have your byline on it, I probably would recognize that it was from you. And that's where we want to get to as, as writers, as, as communicators, and as marketers. Okay. We've talked about the G and we've talked about the P. Now we've got the S. So what is the S? So the S is, you know, honestly, it's my favorite step in the GPS framework. The S in the GPS framework stands for shine. And that means that it's all the polishing and the publishing that we're, that we're doing. The reason why I love this so much is the S, why I love the S so much is because it's, it's the place where we can have the most fun. You know, we've already gone through and done all the hard work of, you know, doing the, the prep and the research and we've done the writing. And now the S is where you can do like add the final polish and then let it go with love, you know, kind of make it your own. Talk to me about let it go with love because there's something underneath there, isn't there? <laughs> yeah, well, because I think, again, this goes back to the idea that we tend to put our a lot of pressure on ourselves as writers and we tend to feel like there's a lot of emotion in writing, like period. There's a lot wrapped up in it. And so we put something together and, you know, we think it's on the mark, we're proud of it, but we don't really know until you let it go, until you just let it fly out of your hands and you either publish it as, I mean, anything. It could be a, a LinkedIn post. It, it could be a tweet or it could be a blog post. Like you just have to let it go. 
and see what happens. And so for me, I say, let it go with love because you just sort of have to like know that you did the best you could and you let it go out in the world. And you just like, you know, you just, you just hope for the best. It's kind of like, uh, I don't know, any parents in the audience can relate to this, but it's kind of like when your kids grow up and it's like, okay, I've done the best I can and here you go. Well, I just think of that Frozen song when we think of let it go, you know? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, we have this little phrase we use internally at Social Media Examiner that's, that's published is better than perfect. You know, because obviously we could just try to massage it and perfect it and never get it out to the world. But talk about how we can do shine. Let's talk about that a little bit. How can we actually shine it? Yeah, I just want to pick up on what you just said there for a second, too, because you know what the thing is, like publish is better than perfect because you will never get to perfect. Like that's the reality. So if perfect is what you're aiming for, you will never publish anything. I mean, even this book. Like I am proud of this book. It's great. It's a great book, I believe. And I believe it's inherently useful, but is it perfect? Like, heck no, of course it's not. Like I could still be tweaking this. And what does that mean? It would mean that I wouldn't even ever publish it. Like 10 years from now, I'd be on, uh, no, maybe eight years from now, because we're on an eight year cycle, Mike and I on this podcast. <laughs> so eight years from now, I'd come back and Mike would be like, what have you been doing? And I'd be like, well, Mike, I've been working on this book for another eight years. Maybe another eight years, I'll be able to get it out to you. Like, that's what would have happened. <laughs> that was my that was my old person. Hey, that's pretty way. good. All right. What I expect to sound like in eight years. All right. So let's go from age to shine. Okay. Let's talk about how do we shine? Like, what do we... What, what do we need to do a little bit to kind of ma- take this thing, you know, because obviously we've written it, but we need to do a little shine. What kind of shine can we do? What are we talking about here? Yeah. So you've got it written. You've got a headline. On, um, what I do at this point is a couple of different final edits. One is to run it through an AI tool. Sometimes, you know, this can happen concurrently with writing your last your last draft if you if you have this kind of tool on your laptop like I do, but I call it the robot edit. So running it through some sort of artificial intelligence tool to flag things that are just still off with it. And you can still find it like pretty late stage in the in the process. Do you uh, recommend a tool that people use for such things? Yeah, I use Grammarly. It's a great tool. Another one is Hemingway. I kind of love it because of the, you know, the Hemingway tie-in. I just think it's kind of fun to you know, to have that. But both of those are really solid tools. Um, Both of them have free versions. So Hemingway app is a good robot edit or Grammarly is a good robot edit. And then the next step is to actually use a human editor. So I'm a big believer in having a human being who is familiar with you and your voice and your work, look at your content. It's that's why I think it's so important to develop a relationship with an editor who truly understands your voice and can help you at that point. Quick pause. This is essential. You got to work with an editor who understands your voice. If you work with the wrong editor, they're going to change it to their voice. And that's really important because you might have somebody in the company who thinks they're a good editor, but they're going to alter the whole messaging of the whole thing, right? So pick somebody who's willing to embrace your voice or they could just eviscerate your work. I don't know. I mean, that's been my experience with some people, you know, who don't know how to edit well. Yeah, 100%. You know, I think editing is a completely different skill set than writing. So very often, writers and editors are, are sort of lumped together, but they're two different things. In my experience, the best editors are not necessarily great writers. And that's the kind of editor that you want, because you don't want somebody who is just a frustrated writer who's going to come in and change your stuff. That's when you get that friction, when they change it to their voice. But, you know, I have a longtime editor that I've worked with for going on, what, 15 years, something like that, who understands my voice very well, who is not a writer, but who truly has a much tighter grasp on even grammar than, than I do. So things like that, he keeps me edible, but he also knows my voice 
and he's able to flag things and say, I don't really think like this might, you might think that this is funny or clear, but I don't even know what you're talking about here. So your readers aren't going to know either. The right kind of editor will understand you and your voice, but also have an eye on the audience because they are a proxy for the audience. That's truly what an editor does. They're not just a corrector of your work. Essentially what they are is that, that last line of defense before it goes out into the world and, and they represent the audience at that point and they can say like, this works, this doesn't work. And there usually aren't substantive changes at that point from my editor, but you know, he often will flag things for me that it's just like confusing or that I, like I said, like I, that I think is really hilarious. And he's just like, this makes no sense. And it's really stupid. And I'm like, okay, well then thank you for that tough love. Well, and not everybody has the luxury of having access to an editor. So talk to us about like just reading it out loud and why that might be valuable. Yeah, I recognize that not everybody does, but even like there are people in your lives who can who can play that role for you, I think. Even like uh, developing a relationship with another writer is a, is an opportunity to at least have another pair of eyes on whatever you're creating. I talk about having writing buddies in, in the second edition as well. But yeah, barring all of that, one of the final steps before I let something go is to read it out loud and literally sit in your office and read it out loud, not just in your head, but say the words out loud. This is such a critical step, Mike, because it's the moment where you can start to hear some phrases that are just like you thought they were fine when you read them to yourself, like in, you know, silently to yourself. But when you read them out loud, you realize, God, this sentence is way too long or I need like a paragraph break here. Just like some minor things that can really tweak the flow of a piece and increase the momentum. Because so much of writing well is creating momentum for the reader, especially in a world where we're reading on screens quite often, right? And so if someone can just click away, like things like just allowing them to like flow through a piece easily and that they they get to the end and maybe you've written 2,000 words, but it doesn't feel like 2,000 words because it has been such a fun romp for them. So that is your goal is to create some momentum and reading it out loud is the point where I can catch a lot of the the places where the momentum kind of flattens a little bit. Wow. And this has been an absolute masterclass in creating great marketing and written content. If people want to discover more about you, obviously they can get your book. Everybody writes, I would imagine just about anywhere books are sold, right? Yes. If they want to connect with you on the socials, do you have a preferred social platform? And if you have a website you want to send them to, maybe for your newsletter, where do you want to send them? Yeah, so my my website is at annhanley.com. I would love to see you on the newsletter list. It's at annhanley.com slash newsletter. And by the way, my newsletter is my most favorite thing that I do of like out of everything that I do. And that includes speaking or writing or social posting or any of it. You know, in terms of my favorite social platform, I got to say it's in a little bit of a state of flux right now. Maybe like a lot of people here. Oh, is it an Elon flux? It's an Elon <laughs> flux a little bit. And it's also been a building meta flux because Ah, Instagram was always my favorite like personal channel and Twitter was always my go-to for professional stuff. That's kind of shifting a little bit. I still love Instagram, but I, you know, the engagement is just so tricky there right now. There's most, most people on this call probably can, or on this podcast can probably appreciate. So LinkedIn, I've been trying to use more and more and I'm kind of loving it. So I don't know. So right now I say you can find me on Instagram. I'm at Ann Hanley or Twitter. I'm at Marketing Props or at Ann Hanley. I have both 
there or on um, on LinkedIn. So those are my top three right now. And thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing all your wisdom with us. We are so much better because of it. Thank you so much for having me. This has been so fun. Hey, if you missed anything, we took all the notes for you over at socialmediaexaminer.com slash 539. If you're new to the show, be sure to follow us. If you've been a longtime listener, would you let your friends know about this show? I'm at Stelzner on Instagram and at Mike underscore Stelzner on Twitter. This brings us to the end of yet another episode of the Social Media Marketing Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Stelzner. I'll be back with you next week. I hope you make the best out of your day and may social media continue to change your world. The Social Media Marketing Podcast is a production of Social Media Examiner. Hey, just a quick reminder, join the Social Media Marketing Society today and level up your marketing for your company or your clients. Visit smmarketingsociety.com to find out more.